it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. When you become born again, it doesn't matter your limitations. There is something you have to apply yourself to. If you don't have the word of God inside, you cannot do. Human beings are naturally programmed to destroy themselves from the day of the fall. The only way you can stop this programming is to fill yourself with the word of God. Be loaded with the word of God. You are about to listen to God's word for you from the man of God, Pastor Benjaminisian of the Dwellers Gold Worldwide. Dwellers Gold is a word-based, spirit-filled ministry set to mentor generations for Christ in excellence. We teach you to know your stand in the presence of God, to live a practical Christian life with manifestation, giving glory to God. Get ready to receive this wisdom from God's word to build your life the God way. Hallelujah. May the testimonies of the Lord come to pass in your life. In this feast of testimony, you will live here with varieties of testimony. You will live here and from now, every area of your life will begin to blow the trumpets of the testimonies of God. Your Christian life will be a testimony. We thank you, Lord, for the atmosphere of testimonies. In the name of Jesus. Take your seat in the high places. Hallelujah. Amen. You are welcome to the house of the Lord. Can you welcome a brother and sister beside you? Amen. Hallelujah. This is the feast of testimonies. And we thank God for what he is doing with us in this ministry. We are happy with the glory of God. Amen. And we thank God for the testimonies that are, that are breathing day and night in this ministry. Oh, watch out for a mind-blowing testimony. You see, why do we name the services this way? It is to give you specifications and to give you expectation. Because God is a specific God. And God answers expectations. You know, when you are dealing with God, God wants you to be specific. That is why he said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He wanted to be specific with his identity. So that when you, are, when you want to look for him, you know how to identify him. That if I want the God that created the heavens and the earth, any, anybody can claim to be the one that created the heaven and the earth. But if you want to meet that God, he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So when you are dealing with God, you learn to be specific. So the Lord directed us this year to have our services in these specifications so that every time you come to spend in the house of the Lord, you will be going home with something specific. And today you are going home with some testimonies. Yeah. It will happen. I said it will happen. It, it has already begun happening. Whilst you are seated in the presence of God like this, angels are already on the streets. I said angels are already on the streets. They are already in the houses. They are already dropping your names on the tables. 
they are already commanding the monies to come. They are already opening the door. So by the time you are done with the presence of God, what is left is a voice and a song of testimony. Hallelujah. And it's a feast. At a feast, there are varieties of meals. So you choose what you want. I want everything. I said, I want everything. Even when I'm full, I want to send some home. Amen. We bless God for today. Hallelujah. Today, I want to, we want to continue with our subject. You know, our focus for this year. I, I don't want you to miss me. Because it's going to be, this year is a 52, I mean, Sunday series. Because we want to achieve a purpose. We don't want to be a church that will give a theme for the year and miss our focus. We want to achieve a purpose. And the purpose we want to achieve or the, the target we want to reach is the target of spirituality. So all my teachings this year is going to be focused on this. So every Sunday, whether it's a new topic or it's a continuation, get to know that the whole purpose is to achieve spirituality. And we are going to deal with it in these three categories. The fear of God, fellowship in the Holy Spirit, and fraternity. That means brotherhood or union with Jesus. Hallelujah. And all, this is the church we want to disciple. When, when God asks me to do this, he asks that at this level, what I should focus on is discipleship. I can prophesy to you. In fact, those of you that have been with me know I can prophesy. Yes, and I've done it here for on few occasions. And it is not something strange. If the Lord gives me the opportunity, if the Lord makes it happen, if the Lord tells me to do it, I do it. And I want to be the kind of pastor who does what the Lord wants him to do, not, what the, not the pressure the congregation gives. Because congregation can give pressure. They look, the way they are looking at you, they are waiting for you to say something. You say, Pastor, today isn't there anything to say? I refuse to be pressured. Yes, because it's about the God that you are working for God. I get what I'm talking about. So it's, it's, it's about we want to achieve a purpose. I want to bring your, your, your life, your Christian life to a place where God wants it to be. Let me tell you something. Christianity today has a lot of deception. It has a lot of lies. You know, we, we've, we've nurtured a type of Christian life where people don't refer the Bible anymore. There are many verses people have been quoting. It's not in the Bible. Yes, you know some. There are many things people have been saying that the Bible says. And the question is, when was the last time you found this thing in the Bible? I don't know whether they added it recently, but it's not there. But we boldly say them and we boldly, I mean, encourage people with them. From the pulpit, we have been preaching them. There are many interpretations we give from the scripture and it is not so. So we have nurtured a type of weakened and low-grade Christians who are only looking for butter and bread. Who are only looking for success and employment. Who are only looking for promotion. We are not raising soldiers. We are not raising people who are preparing for the coming of the Lord. We are, not, we are not raising people who are saying, Maranatha, Lord, come. But can I tell you that the coming of the Lord is as close as the next person or the shirt or the dress you are wearing. We don't have time. 
So this is the time the church must be raising believers who are going to stand strong and prepare for the coming of the Lord. Because God is not coming. The coming is not for everybody. It is, coming, it is for those who are ready. Those who are prepared. The rapture is for those who are expecting it. What have you been expecting? You have been expecting a certain promotion. But majorly have you been expecting the Lord Jesus to come? It is only for those who are expecting God. If you are not expecting rapture will occur and you, you, you will miss it. Yet you are a good Christian. Yet you come to church. So we are in the seasons of the last days. Hallelujah. And you cannot miss the Lord. Amen. So today we want to continue with our uh, discussion. And today it's titled The Cross and the Man. The Cross and the Man. The Cross and the Man. And I want you to Always, that's why I will encourage you that before you come to church on Sunday, try and listen to the message of the previous Sunday. I get what I'm talking about. It will help you so that when I'm continuing, I don't need to go so back. And by the end of the day, I'll be touching a little on what I have for the day. So I will encourage you that every time, it may be Friday or Saturday or Thursday, try and listen to the message I preached the Sunday so that when you are coming, at least you are abreast and we can go faster because there is more to do. There are some things I want to bring to your understanding. I want to introduce a reality to you that there is a factor of life that whether you know or you don't know, it is plain and it is the reason for your existence. And one of the factors of life is that Adam ate the fruit. Whether you believe it or not, it, it, the, the fruit that Adam ate is the reason you are what you are today. Yes. So whether you know that story, you don't know or whatever, as long as you are born from the womb of Eve, you belong to a certain class that has some limitations. And if you don't get to know them, you will not understand why your life is facing some resistances, why your life is facing some oppositions, why things are going in a zigzag way. There is something you need to search for. There is a knowledge you need to get. And that is what we want to present to you every time you come here, so that you understand why you are, you know, your coming here is to understand life, is to understand your, your personality so that you can engage the way God wants you to engage. Hallelujah. So today I'm talking about the cross and the man. But just to do a little recap from last week. You know, last week we talked about the fall of the man. Where, that's when we're dealing with who is man part two. Where I explain about the tree, the, the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And one of the things I spent time on is why that tree was left there. Or was planted there. It was not to tempt man, but also, but to, to, I mean, it was a tree of judgment. It was a tree. That's what we call the tree of the knowledge. It was to give man knowledge so that they would judge situations, things that had happened, so that they would judge the devil and his demons who stood against God. So man was given, I mean, God was giving man a certain authority, a certain position. But man ate it before God told him to eat. Remember, I told that God said, The day you. Not the day I tell you to, but the day you will eat, you will die. So that means that there could be that there was a day God would have told man to eat. Because the statement says that the day you will eat. So it means that there was nothing wrong with the eating, but the timing of the eating. And upon whose instruction you are going to eat it. 
So that is what brought the fall of man. And I remember I also told you about that Jesus said, the, the Lord God said that you will surely die when you eat it. And I showed you that it took 930 years because Adam lived for 930 years. But it took 930 years for Adam to actually die as a man. But the Bible says that the day you will eat, you will surely die. So the death occurred in his spirit. So the, the question is then, what is death? If God says you will die, and I ate it, and physically I didn't die, but I died up physically after 930 years, then is God a liar? Or what is actually happening? That means that there is a different definition for death. Death is not when you go to the hospital and you don't come back. No, that is not death. <laughs> you get what I'm talking about? But death, the real definition of death is separation from God. When, when, when you separate from God, that is death. So, there are a lot of people, they are living dead. All unbelievers, all people who are not born again, all those who, are, who have received Jesus as their Lord and personal Savior, all those who are not Christians, who don't have Jesus, they are dead, but yet they are alive. They are like Adam, who died on that day, but yet he lived 930 years. So some people are going to live the next 100 years, but they are already dead. They are living on death. That is why everything they touch dies. That is why their bodies, they are, you know, that's why their blood is dying. That's why their blood gives them diseases, brings forth, I mean, pandemics, endemics, everything. That's why there are limitations. Why? Because they are dwelling on a curse which is death. But it will take maybe the next 50 years before that death will manifest in their body and they will be lowered in the grave. So death actually, the real definition of death is separation from God. When a man is separated from God, when a man has no connection with God, when a man has no fellowship with God, when a man has no communion or worship with God, Remember, when I was explaining, when I showed you the three parts of man, the spirit aspect, there was a third part, which is what? Worship, communion. So that means that that is the place God, God, God attaches himself with us. It is in our spirit. So if God says that the day you eat, you die, and man ate it and died, that means that man lost the worship part of his life. Man lost the communion aspect of his life. That part of his spirit Man lost it. And because man lost the communion aspect of his life, his intuition was inactive, his consciousness was dead. That is why unbelievers, the arm robbers, and they do things and you wonder, as a Christian, like as somebody who knows God, you ask yourself, so this person, didn't he fear God? So this person doing this, killing this person, doing this, didn't he or she fear God? When, when you are separated from God, you have no fear of God. So when you see people doing things that, that, that expresses lack of the fear of God, it means their spirit is dead. When you say your spirit is dead, it means that you have lost touch with God. Remember, one time I said something that your spirit is like an empty space that gives room for God. to Because the only place God can live inside you is your spirit. God cannot live in your soul. God cannot live in your body. So when you say Jesus is in my heart, He's not talking about that heart that pumps the blood. In the Bible, the heart also represents the spirit. 
when you read the Bible and you see the heart, many times it's also talking about the spirit. So when you say Jesus lives in my heart, what you are talking about is Jesus lives in your spirit because that is the only place God can live. The only place for, for, for in man that God can live in or God can operate from is from your spirit. Because that is the part that came from God. Remember the Bible says, and God breathed in man. The body didn't come from God, it came from the soil. The soul didn't come from God. The soul is a reaction between the spirit and the body. A man became. But the only thing that came from God which you possess is your spirit. So that is the only place God dwells and that is where God operates from. So if we say that a man is dead, it means that that place where God can operate from is locked. It's like you want to enter a room and that room is locked. They put, I mean, parallels from top to down. So God cannot assess that is why in Revelation, the Lord said, I stand at your door. And what? And knock. It is the door of your spirit. He said, if you open, I will come in and dine with you. That means I will come in and have a fellowship. We will have worship. I will activate your consciousness. I will commune with your intuition. So that you can live from your soul to your flesh. So, when you say a man is dead, we are talking about the spirit content. It's locked. So, God cannot have access God cannot have communion. God cannot touch his consciousness. God cannot speak. That still small voice that comes from the intuition is no more. Hallelujah. So that is the nature of a man who is born of Adam. If you are born of Adam, this is your state. You are born with your spirit locked. You are born disconnected from God. You are born this, with, with your worship locked, with your consciousness locked, with your intuition locked. That's why it, it is so difficult to, to have worldly people stand before God and worship. If you see them worshiping, it is from their soul. They have copied. Because the soul is a master, I mean, dabba. He knows how to dab. He can copy. The soul is like a photocopy. He can copy everything. And you think that it is the act of the spirit, but yet it is the act of the soul. One of the profession of the soul is that it has the ability to do exactly what the spirit does. And the Bible talks about it. When Solomon built the temple and decorated the temple with gold, his son Rehoboam came and with his sin, the enemies came to capture Israel and they took away the gold. And do you know what he did? He replaced the gold with brass. Because gold and brass, they look the same. If you've seen a brass before and you've seen a gold before, they look the same. But the only difference is the quality. So, to, for Rehoboam to deceive the people that, oh, it's still the same gold that my father brought or built. No, nothing has happened. Just to try and clear their minds that nothing has happened. He replaced the gold with brass. And that is the character of the, of the soul. The soul is a brass. But it has the ability to copy the spirit. So, we come to church and you see the person singing, worshipping and everything. And you are wondering, is it from the spirit or from the soul? And what you need to be able to tell is a spirit of discernment. Because many people are copying the spirit, yet it is their soul. And they stand on the pulpit. And do you know how you can identify them? By their fruits. Because if you are doing it by the spirit, there is a certain result that will come out of your life. So if you want to know most of the pastors, most of those people that are pretending to be godly people or they are from God, men of God. Do you want, if you want to know whether it is really from their spirit, it is really by the spirit of God, check their life. Check their life. Because surely the, the soul will always, I mean, expose itself. Because the soul is weak. The soul is limited. The soul cannot stand. The soul doesn't have consistency. The soul doesn't have continuity. The soul doesn't have excellence. So you realize that they come and stand on the pulpit 
pretend to be spiritual, but when they leave the pulpit, everything they do is sinful in Canaan. And they say, oh, when the anointing comes upon me, I'm different. And when the anointing leaves, I'm different. No, that should even be the answer that when the anointing comes, if you are different, when the anointing leaves, we should see your spirituality. Yeah. Hallelujah. So, so I, that is just what I, I want to set you on that part, that Adam, the earthly man, died. That means that he was separated from God. Now, from that point, when things happened like that, and Adam began to give birth, Cain, Abel, and, and you see, when Adam gave birth, what, the thing that happened there, it looks like the only thing they saw was they were naked. But they didn't sin at that time. They didn't do anything bad. They went on to live their life. But we began to see the character of the death in their generation. And the first person that manifested the character of the death was Cain when he killed his brother. It will have to take a it will have to take that nature of death to manifest death. So the first manifestation of death to tell Cain, I mean Adam and Eve that indeed what God said is true, even before they died after 930 years was when Cain killed Abel. Because at that time nobody had killed a man before. So how come there is a killing of the man? That means death is present. If a man can die, then death has come into the context of man. Because when God created Adam, he didn't talk about death to Adam. He didn't make, he gave Adam everything, gave him dominion, gave him access to everything. He didn't talk about death. That means that death wasn't present in the atmosphere of man. But when Cain killed Abel, it was a sign that now death has come. Because you have ate the fruit and I said, surely you will die. You cannot escape from God. If God says you are cursed, you can own the whole world. But there is a curse that will surely manifest in your life. Amen. So today we are dealing with the cross and the man. Now, the cross is the, is the decision line from the earthly man. Remember on our recap, we talked about the earthly man and the heavenly man. So the cross is that decision line that you travel on to change your position from the earthly position, the earthly identity, to the heavenly identity. So, right when man sinned in the garden and man lost that fellowship with God, the Bible makes us to understand that God didn't leave man alone. God still pursued man, trying to bring a restoration, trying to reconnect with man. So he realized that God and the devil also, because the devil has gotten access into man, he also wanted to maintain his position. So he realized that when Cain killed Abel, it is a sign that the devil wants to tell God, anything you introduce as a redemption, I will kill it. That is why anytime you want to, you become like very consistent with God, like you want to stop sinning, it's like there is pressure. There is tension. It's like things begin to attack you. Anytime you want to be consecrated to God, anytime you want to make a decision to serve God, it looks like things begin to go bad. The more you are going deeper in God, the more difficult things become. It's, it's, the devil is telling God, I told you from the garden, that now that I have found my way in this your man, whom you wanted to judge me, I will not allow you to restore. So, Eber was somebody who... who trained himself to love God, to bring a restoration. But Cain got the part of the dead. So Cain killing Abel was God, the devil telling God that I won't let you restore man. 
So right from the Garden of Eden, we saw examples. We saw, we saw templates. What was one of the templates when Egypt captured Israel? Because Israel was also one of the formulas of God to bring deliverance to man. He said, Israel is my firstborn. And when, when Egypt captured, Egypt is, I mean, Pharaoh is a dragon from, this, from the Red Sea. He was a, he's a representation of the devil. He is God, the devil. So he captured Israel, the firstborn of, of God, the seed through whom God will bring deliverance. Because God said to, I mean, Eve, he said when he was given, when he was given the judgment, he said that the serpent will bite your heel and you also crush his head. So when the devil heard that, he understood. He understood what God was saying, that he knew that then out of Eve will come a deliverance and a redemption. So that means that there is going to be something Eve will bring out. So I must monitor it. That's why the devil in the new world Because he knows that the deliverance of man will come through Eve. So he's, he has monitored Eve right from the big, from the garden. So when Eve gave birth to Cain and Abel, said, who, which one of them, which one of them, he saw that Abel was trying to align with God and he killed Abel. Then we went on. Now, as Eve kept on multiplying, the Bible says, Seth came, and out of the generation of Seth, Abraham, and out of the generation of Abraham, Israel, the children of God, formed. He saw that, no, deliverance will come through Israel. So he captured Israel in Egypt. He won't let you go. And God said, let my people go. I have a destiny over them. Out of them will come. So the devil wanted to use Egypt to crush Israel. So that God's redemption, God's salvation power through Jesus Christ will not materialize. Because Jesus could not be born by any other, any other, any other person, any tribe apart from the tribe of Israel. Because God told Abraham, out of you will come the Savior. So the devil wanted, he has, the devil is, 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 is the greatest analyst, analyst or whatever you call them. Yeah. Analysis in the world. He knows how to calculate. He can look at you and say, you, he doesn't know, but he can calculate your life and come to the perfect end. So he saw that Jesus will come out of Israel. So he captured Israel. And God brought in an intervention. And through all the, the journeys of Israel, the devil tried to corrupt them by introducing other gods. So everything that happened to Israel, it was to stop God from establishing the cross. So when you read from, Gen- from Genesis to Revelation, it's a thread. It is not one, one book different from the other. It's one story. It's a full com- I mean, compendium of, of the, the works of God, the deliverance of God to restore man back to the garden. So Adam fell in Genesis. And by Revelation, God had a restoration. And I'm going to show you. So when you read, when you read everything, Levitical, and one of the places you don't want to read, is Second Chronicles, First Chronicles, Leviticus. You know, because he said that those places and Eve gave to this about twenty chapters. It's all about give birth to this, give birth to this, give birth to this. Ah, to do an example. But you see, those give birth to this, and it is part of the whole story, activity of God to redeem man. It's not there for their sake. It's not there because they didn't have anything to write. It is part of the story of God's deliverance for man. It is part of the whole thread to arrive at the cross. The cross is one of the most powerful tools of deliverance. And I'm going to show you. So, the devil, everything, the devil has been in line. No? He has been in line. And at the end of the day, God saw. So, you realize that with Israel going into Babylon, God punishing Israel, God trying to, all that God wanted to do, 
it's not that God hated Israel. He wanted Israel to align. He wanted Israel to be in line so that what he wanted to do can come to pass. But the, the, the interception of the devil bringing other gods, bah, bringing this, bringing that, bringing that, was to corrupt Israel so that God's agenda cannot come to pass. And somebody will ask, why didn't God leave Israel and let Jesus be born from Egypt or from where? It was because God has spoken. God had made a promise with Abraham. And God keeps his promise. Let me tell you something. If God has told you something, it will come to pass. No matter what the devil will do. No, you, you look at the Bible, what Israel did. Everything, when you read Isaiah, Jeremiah, they became very evil and wicked. Yet, God said, for my son Abraham's sake. You see, if you can be faithful with God, eh, it doesn't matter that the tumor or whatever your generation, the devil does, God will bring a redemption. And on and on and on and on. I'm coming somewhere so that I arrive at the cross and we start from that place. On and on, God taking Israel to Babylon, trying to punish them a little. He will punish them after 70 years and they will come to their senses. And somebody will rise. Daniel will pray, God, we are sorry, please forgive. And God will bring them back. They will go and fool again. And God will allow the Romans come. Come and punish them. And then they will come to their senses and say, we are sorry. And God will bring them back. You see, that thing that you read in the Bible, those stories, you know, it is all coming to one place. And that is the cross. Because the cross is the only place of rearrangement in the order of the spirit. Yes, God was doing something. It wasn't just a story that is happening. God was doing something. He wanted to put man in the right place so that Jesus can come forth who is our deliverer. And now, in the book of Matthew, the Bible says that God appeared unto a woman and said, Thou art blessed among all. I want to do something. And what I'm, I'm going to do it is bigger than you want to marry and give birth. I want to borrow your womb and do something mighty. May God borrow your womb. I said, may God borrow your womb. May God borrow something about your life and use it to bring deliverance and use it to bring increase and use it to bring glory to his name and to the family and to the earth. Imagine the, the millions of women on earth how did the voting occur in heaven that the Lord fell on Mary? Oh, Jesus. Things don't just happen. Which people accepted? How many people sat down? The Bible makes us one of their 24 elders. They are, the, they are the judges of the systems of the earth. How did the voting go? Did any of them reject? How many of them agreed? Now let's use the womb of Mary. <laughs> How holy was the womb of Mary? <laughs> to the standard among the billions of women on earth, they bypassed everybody. Elizabeth was there too. Why didn't they exchange? Why didn't John the Baptist come from Mary and Jesus come from Elizabeth? Because Elizabeth was a, was a righteous woman. There were other women also there. The Bible talks of Salome. They weren't born after Jesus. They were all older than Jesus. The Bible talks about all of them. How come Mary was chosen? May you be chosen in the courts of heaven. Oh, come on, somebody. I said, may you be chosen in the courts of heaven. Yeah, there is always a matter in the heavenlies. They are always debating things. They go and come back. May your case not take long. I said, may your blessing not take long. Yeah, 
he must put your life in line. So that the moment your matter drops on the court, and say, ah, he's already in line. Give it to him. And the angel appeared. Thou art blessed, I'm on God. We want to borrow your home. We want to bring that thing the devil did in the garden. Your womb is going to be the, the source of restoration. Is that a child will be born. Men, they have spoken about him right from Genesis. The prophets have mentioned him when you read the book of Isaiah, the book of Jeremiah. When you read the Psalms, they've talked about him. Now it is time. You are the one we've chosen. We want to bring him out. And now Jesus was born. Remember? When Jesus was born, just as Egypt tried to, to, to enslave Israel, and God performed a wonder, killing all the firstborn and delivered Israel. This time, it was God that took Jesus back to Egypt. And he was telling the devil, capture him again, let me see. He said, you punish my children Israel. You make them labor and work. Now, I'm bringing my son. Take care of him. Nature him because somebody wants to kill. So, Egypt was paying for what they did to Israel. On Jesus. They were paying. And the Bible says, Jesus lived in Egypt for about seven years and more. And Egypt took care of Jesus. Nature Jesus. Fed Jesus. Until one time, the Lord appeared back to Joseph and said, The one that seeketh the life of the baby is dead. Now, you can't go back. What was God doing? In all the nations in the world, God couldn't God have taken Jesus there? Why did he take Jesus to Egypt? It was prophecy. He was punishing Egypt for what they did to Israel. He said, you wanted to stop me. Now you have, you have failed. This is Jesus. You have failed. Everything is prophetic. So Jesus comes back and he begins his work. The devil begins to start. Remember, the devil appeared again. Now, John the Baptist was baptizing. He sees Jesus. And he says, this is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Do you know what he was saying? He was prophesying. Remember Abraham, when he wanted to kill Isaac, when God said, bring me Isaac. And he took Isaac to the mountain. Last week I talked about this. And he was about to kill Isaac. And God said, stop. Now I know that you fear me. And the Bible said there was a lamb that was provided in exchange. That lamb is what John the Baptist was talking about. The lamb of God. Because that lamb was slain on the mountain by Abraham. And when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he saw that lamb in him. He said, Abraham will slay you. What was Abraham? Abraham was Israel, Israel the Pharisees. They were standing in the stead of Abraham. And just as Abraham slayed the lamb in replacement to his son Isaac, so as Jesus was slain for us. Hallelujah. So, so everything is prophetic. He sees Jesus as the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. And now after Jesus is baptized, the Spirit of God carries Jesus to the wilderness. What is happening? You know, God will always prove himself worthy. Now what did Jesus... Listen, the Spirit of God took Jesus to the wilderness. What is wilderness? Wilderness is a dry place. Wilderness is a place of destitute. Wilderness is a place of weakness. Wilderness is a place where the devil takes advantage of people. So what was Jesus God doing? He said, let me take you to the devil. From Adam, he wanted to stop this. Let me go and present you before him. And show him that I have succeeded. So Jesus appears in the wilderness. Fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. On the 40th day, the devil appears. And what is he trying to do? Just as he did in the garden. He was trying to do the same to Jesus. He said, turn this stone into bread. 
It is the same as he told Eve. This fruit, when you eat it, nothing will happen to you. Even be wiser. He said, turn this stone into bread. That means what is he doing? I want you to prove yourself to be wiser, to be powerful. It wasn't that Jesus couldn't have done it. But this is what Jesus was saying. As you commanded Eve to eat it, you cannot command me. Because I have come to correct it. I have come to put it in order. That was the first test. He conquered the devil. Now, number two, the Bible says he took Jesus and he said, all these things belong to me because Adam gave it to me when I made Adam eat the fruit. Remember, dominion was with Adam. But when Adam ate of the fruit and he fell to, I mean, he disobeyed God and he obeyed the devil, he handed over everything to the devil. So the devil was saying the right thing. He said, everything belongs to me. If you can bow to me, I am going to give it to you. And Jesus said, test not the Lord your God. Now, it is the same as what he told Eve. He said, when you eat of this, you'll be wise. Everything, you'll be like God. Who is God? God is one that owns everything. And Jesus said, thou shalt not test the Lord your God. That means that as you succeeded with the test of Eve, I am above that. I have come to do correction. I have not come to repeat mistakes. Somebody, you will not repeat the mistakes. You will not repeat the errors that gave the devil the chance over your life. You will not repeat the errors, the mistakes, the weaknesses that gave the devil the chance. May you be a correction in your family. What your family failed to and brought curses, may you be the correction to bring blessings. Receive that grace in Jesus' name. May you be the Jesus of your family. And the devil went forth to try again. The devil never gives up. I remember I always tell you, I learned not giving up from the devil. He never gives up. And he came again, brought Jesus to the pinnacle of the mountain. And he said that the Bible says, he said, it is written. That's why as a Christian, you cannot be empty of scriptures. You cannot be ignorant of scriptures. Because the devil knows how to manipulate scriptures. As a Christian, you cannot be empty of the spirit of discernment. Because the devil knows how to pick John 3.16 and manipulate your life. Listen, it is the same as what he did to Eve. He said, hasn't God, he said, has God said, don't eat it. This time he reversed it. Hasn't it been said? It is written that if you throw yourself, said, I will make my angels capture you so you will not strike your foot today. It was the devil quoting the scripture. The same as what he told Eve, has God said. The devil always has something God has said to manipulate you. But may you have discernment. May you have wisdom to identify. Has, is, is it not written? And Jesus came and said, he conquered the devil in all these traitors. And now he, that's number, and the Bible says that the devil left Jesus unto an appointed time. That tells me that if the devil hadn't succeeded with Eve on that day, he would have come back. Because everything is a copy, the same thing. Remember, Jesus is the last Adam, this is the first Adam. So the same thing that happened must happen. So just as in the days of Noah, so shall it be. Yes. So he would have come back. So the Bible says he left Jesus unto an appointed time. Then he left. Now Jesus walking around, the devil still working through the Pharisees trying to interrupt, just like the devil using the Jebusites, Canaanites, to intercept, try to kill the children of Israel. The devil using uh, Baal, the sorcerer, to corrupt the children of Israel with, with mammon and with fornication. And the anger of God came. So as the Pharisees wanted to intercept, they, they wanted to confuse Jesus. They were asking Jesus strictly questions. I mean, trying to confuse him. But Jesus prevailed. May you prevail in everything. 
may you not be a repetition of your father's mistake. May you not be a repetition of your mother's mistake. May you prevail in every situation. And now, it comes to the judging. The main point. The cross. The cross is the correction. The cross is a cancellation of the error. Not the error of just the normal sin of lying. No, but the error that goes deep into the spirit. The cross is a place of life. Hallelujah. Let's look at the scripture. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 4. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 4. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Now this is Isaiah. Even before Jesus will be introduced into the scene. Remember I told that they were they've been speaking about Jesus and everything. So Jesus could not afford to fail. He couldn't because he was a prophecy fulfilled. That's why you see you cannot afford to fail in life. Because you are a prophecy. Before you were born, it has been declared. Remember one time I told you that you are the resource of certain people's intercession. Some people have been praying day and night. Oh God, help our family. Help our family. And God said, the 24 angels agreed and said, let us birth this man. Let us bear this lady. It's an answer to an intercession from your mother, from your father. He said, Father, forgive me. I have done the wrong thing. I have brought error to my family. I have brought this to my family. And God said, the 24 elders agree. Then we are going to give you a son. If God wants to make correction, he gives sons. Anytime God wants to correct an order in the spirit. An order of life. I'm not talking about just correction of I've forgiving you. No, no, no. If God wants to correct an eternal order, he gives a child. That's what the Bible says that the fruit of the womb is the blessing. Not a blessing of, oh baby, I've gotten a child, I have to. No, 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 no. It is something bigger. So you see, gentlemen, can I tell you something? If you mess up with your son, if you allow your son to mess up, God will judge you. You see, on the judgment day, one of the, the group of people God will spend time with appearance. Parents are the result of the destruction of the earth. Yes. One of God will spend time with them and judge them well, well. Yeah. You cannot afford to let your child go wayward. Never. It is not possible. <sighs> it is not possible. Because go, the, that child is an answer. That child is, is a vision. It's a, fulfill, it's a purpose of God in this world to fulfill something. So if you allow that child to mess up, you just, I mean, I mean, do the child in here, just allow the child to do anything and the child grows and you come and tell you in front of your face, I won't go to church. You can't go. I mean, I'm waiting. And you don't slap him. God, God, God will judge you. That slap is a holy slap. You must slap him and grab him, put a chain, I mean, handcuff on his head. Say, come on, let's go. Who are you to say you won't go? Where did you come from? You came from me. When we are teaching children, that, oh, so uncle, so uncle, God will judge you. Slap him. Let him come to his senses. Then now you take his name before God in the spirit. Say, in the name of Jesus, Father, I've done the physical slap. Instead of the spiritual one. Yeah. Pathology. Young people, if you grow, you marry and you give birth. And you allow your children to mess up. God will judge you. God will judge you. You may go to heaven, but the way God will judge you, heaven, you, you may not even be happy. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. You cannot afford. I thank God for my parents. I thank God. I remember one time we went, we came to church in our Old Testament. We came to Sunday school. Then my grandmother, we stayed just a house behind the church. 
just a house behind the church. That's where my grandmother or our family house was. So, you know, I had a practice. Those times they used to show a journey to the west on Sundays. Hey, shameful. So, we'll come to church. Now, I was young. I mean, I was young. I don't know. The, I cannot recall, but I was very young. Now, they'll come and drop us in the, you know, we were, when you're coming to church, the whole family. So, you come and drop us in church. I answered the mirror Sunday school. I said, me, me real Sunday school. Then I will dodge and go home, go to my grandmother's place, and I'll go and watch for. Then I have, I have monitored the time. I know when church will close. So, just before church will close, I ran back because there's just a house behind the church. Those who know, I'm in that place. Just, we stay just behind the church. Behind where Eben they stay. They stay just that house behind. So I would just come. So I did it perfectly until one day. I don't know what happened. That was a judgment day of God. I think I got so interested in the movie. And even after the movie, I was just there chatting. By the time I realized they've closed, they were looking for me, they prayed for me, they've left home. Now I came. I thought I was doing it again. This time I came, the church was empty. I said, right in my room. Hey, that day. Ah, that was my repentance. <laughs> My mom came back looking for me. I know the ladies, the women. So I found my mom. <laughs> I found her. I found her. The way she looked at her, I know that there's a tiger in the house. <laughs> hey. I dropped home. They asked me the first question, where did you go? I said, I wanted to lie. I said, oh, my grandmother called me. They wanted me to do something. The first one, kneel down. Lift your hand. <laughs> I will continue. <laughs> the rest was, that was when I repented. And gradually God found me. So, so, you have a responsibility for your children. You cannot let them go away. Okay, so now we're talking about the cross. Now, the cross is the most important in your Christian journey. Now, let me say something over here. I, I am going to, I wanted to do a little bit of history concerning this, but maybe time will not permit me. But let me just mention this, that understand me very well. Jesus didn't give the cross to the church as the symbol. The one who chose the cross as the symbol of the church is one Roman Caesar or Roman emperor called Constantine. Now, it's a history. It's a history. When you go to check Google, you'll find it out. Now, the cross wasn't given by Jesus as a symbol to the church. The symbol of the church is one thing. And it has, it has been there from Genesis, right from the Old Testament, even to the time Jesus went to the cross. The symbol of the church is fire. That is why in the upper room, when the Holy Ghost came, it was not the sign of the cross that came on the apostles, but what came? The symbol of the church is fire, not the cross. Now, I don't want to go into the, a lot of the story because I don't have time. Now, Constantine made the cross the symbol of the church. Before Constantine, this emperor made the cross the symbol of the church. The cross was the most shameful thing to identify with. Now, the question here that is bringing in the cross that will make me spend time, maybe I'll continue tomorrow to get to where I want to get to, is that why did God choose the cross as the means of death for Jesus? Because at that time, there was firing squad, not firing squad of gunshot, but piercing. You'll be tied to a stick and you'll be pierced in the heart. At that time, 
there was the death of where you'll be tied to the horse. And the horse, they will hit the horse and the horse will just start running. And will drag you till you die. Some of the apostles died this way. At that time, where they can even put your head down and cut off your head. So, there were many types of death. Why the cross? Remember, what Jesus is going to do is going to correct something that no man can correct apart from God. And that is the death of the spirit. Man can, maybe man can correct the death of the flesh, which is by going to the hospital for drugs to heal. Man can correct the death of the soul, where somebody can speak sweet words to you and your soul will come alive. But nothing in this world can correct the death of the spirit except God. Only God can correct that. So this is God working. So God is choosing. See, 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 which of the dead should I put Jesus on? Cutting the head, piercing, dragging by the horse or the cross. This one. Now, the reason why God chose the cross was because at that time, the cross was the most, they call it the gruesome type of death. When you die by the cross, that means that your sin there, it was so evil, so evil. It is like now somebody committing a murder, capturing someone like those kidnappers, cutting them into pieces, killing people. Like an Arab who has killed a lot of people. Like Saddam would say, and those, like you have captured those kind of people and you are killing them. Those times, the only type of death will be given you is the cross. So the cross was the highest, the most, the most, I mean, painful type of death you can ever be subscribed to. And it was introduced by the Greeks. It was mainly amplified by Alexander the Great and the Roman, Roman Empire, the Romans, they took it, they made it even more bigger. So at that time, it was the Roman Empire, they were ruling the whole world. And they chose that the, most, the highest type of punishment should be the cross. So God is saying that if I want Jesus to pay for the sin of Adam, because, you see, every sin is judged. There is no sin that, is, that goes God free. Any sin that is committed, God will judge. God, because God doesn't like sin. That's when the devil sinned, God judged. The demons, all the spirit, God judged. When Adam sinned, God threw him out. So God doesn't like sin. So anytime sin appears, God will place a judgment. So now, Jesus is coming to pay for the sin of Adam. Remember, the sin of Adam is the sin of every man. Because every man came from Adam. It was the sperm of Adam that brought all of us. It was the egg of Eve that brought all of us. Without Adam, you are not. So you are Adam. So now, so that is why everybody has a sin. So you are, whether you sin or you don't sin, if you are not born again yet, you are a sinner. Sin is a position. Sin is an identity. Just as you are a man, so every man is a sinner. You are not a sinner because you have said you are not a sinner because you stole him. You are not a sinner because you fornicated. You are a sinner because you are a man. Because every man is a sinner. Sin became our identity when we ate the food. It digested into our soul. Every man is a sinner. So now Jesus was coming to correct that. Jesus was God. God is spirit. So only Jesus can correct the spiritual thing. So God is choosing the highest type of punishment in the realm of man. Oh, where we are going, I pray that you understand. I, I don't know, but I'm beginning to feel something. Open your spirit. Now Jesus is coming to correct not the sins of the Pharisees. That they are hypocrisy. No. Because if Jesus was correcting the sins of the Pharisees, then the sins of the Egyptians at that time would still remain. Because Pharisees were Jews, Egyptians were not Jews. 
So if Jesus wants to correct the sin of the whole world, he has to go to back to Adam because Adam is the first man. I, I get what I'm talking about. It's like, it's like you are solving mass and you are, you are sober, then you come to the answer and you realize that you are wrong. Now, if you want to do things, if you want to correct things, where will you go and start from? You go back to the question to find out whether you have missed a preamble, you have missed a constant or a factor. Then you start from there again. If you try to correct it from the middle, you may come back to a different answer, but yet you are wrong. So if you want to correct that mathematical formula or, or that answer, wrong answer, you have to go back to the question from the first thing you wrote to solve the question. So Jesus had to go back to Adam to solve the problem of sin. So he wasn't dealing with our, the sins of the Pharisees who were attacking him or the sins of the Egyptians. or the, No, he was dealing with the sin of Adam the disobedience of Adam. Remember, now, something happened. That is why when Jesus was about to go to the cross, when he saw it in a vision, the highest punishment, which is the cross, he went and prayed that, Father, so Jesus nearly became like Adam. He said, "Ah, this is too much for me. I want to disobey like Adam. But I choose to obey not my way, but your will be done. Adam went for his will, then he fell. So when Jesus was presented with his will and the will of God, he said, no. The correction I'm about to make, to make the mistake was made by the will of man. If I want to go by my will, I'm going to repeat the same mistake. So I want to choose the will of God. May the will of God be for you. So now he went to the cross. Now this is what I want to show, show you. So I'm talking about the cross as... Are you following? I'm talking about the cross as it was there a long time before. So that is the highest type of punishment. So now, this was how the cross was. Now, this was how they did it, the Roman Empire. When they are going to crucify you, remember they went to Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate said, I don't find anything wrong. Then... The Pharisees charged and pointed for okay, go and kill him. Now they beat Jesus well, well. They whip him. And Jesus was weak. Now in our movies, let me correct something here. In our movies, we see Jesus carrying something like this. Right? Which is a cross. In the movies. But can I tell you it's wrong? Now, this was how the Romans were doing the crucifixion. There was a place they do the crucifixion. There was a specific place. In fact, where Jesus was taken to was Golgotha. But Golgotha wasn't the only place they would, choose, they would do that. They had different places. Mostly, they take you to the outskirts of the town. Now, at the place they do the crucifixion, they already had trees. Like, they've gone to cut a tree. And they fix it there. So, they already have trees fixed there. I'll show it to you in the Bible. They already had trees, already fixed there. So if there's a place they're going to do the crucifixion, they have trees already standing there. Now, what Jesus was carrying was only the bar. This. I think in some of other movies, they only show the bar. This was the, the, the one. This is. This is what we call, this is the cross. <laughs> the tree is there. So if I bring this one, it's what? So this, to the, the Roman when they say they are, you are carrying the cross, the tree is already there, so go and cross it. 
So that is, this is the cross. I get what I'm talking about. So he wasn't carrying this whole thing. This one was already there at this whole channel. This is the cross. Can I show it to you in the Bible? Let me show it to you. First Peter. First Peter chapter 2 verse 21. First Peter chapter 2 verse 21. Then maybe you can also open uh, Galatians 3.13. You can note it down. First Peter 2.21. For even unto this were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Move on. Who did no sin, neither was God found in his mouth. Move on. Who when he was revered, revered not. Returned when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judged righteously. Move on. Move on. For even unto this were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that he should follow his steps. 24. Who his own bore our sins in his own body under what? Under what? This is Peter. Peter, he was around, although he wasn't, but he was there. He has seen the Romans crucifying people. Now, Jesus is saying that Jesus bore our sins on the tree, not on the cross. This is the tree. This is the cross. He carried the cross. He bore it on the tree. Are you getting what I'm talking about? So, Jesus died and it was prophesied when we read the book of Deuteronomy. It was prophesied. Jesus died on the tree. Hanging on the cross. Are you, are, you, are you following? So this was how the crucifixion was done. The tree was already there. They will cut the tree, put it there, and they will carry this one and fix you on. Now let's look at another one. Paul. At least for Paul, can't. you know that it's also connected. Yes, Galatians chapter 3 verse 13. Let's look at what Paul also said. Agreeing with us. Christ had redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse unto us, for it is written, Curse is everyone that hangeth on the word. Yes. Now, this, this, this one, Paul quoted a scripture from Deuteronomy. So, God had already declared from Deuteronomy that Jesus would be hanged on the tree. And he had declared, now, the reason why this was declared was that this time, in Deuteronomy, it was it now, when Moses was giving the law, the laws, this was one of the punishments. That if you, if you fall to the law, if you disobey the law, you'll be hanged on the tree. So hanging on the tree was a curse. So Moses said that if you, if you disobey the law, you are cursed. And a curse is to be hanged on the tree. Are you getting what I'm talking about? A curse is to be hanged on the tree. That was why when the serpents were biting the Israelites in their camp, and God wanted to bring a healing, what did he do? He made them hang the serpent on the tree. He cursed the serpent on the tree. And said, when you behold that curse, it will translate into a blessing. And the blessing of healing will come to Israel. So to be hung on the tree was a curse. So what was Jesus doing? Jesus was being cursed. He was taking the curse. This was, it was a spiritual thing. Now, as Jesus hung on the tree, what was he doing? He, there was something called substitution. We don't know football. When, and you, you, you do substitution by studying the game. As you are watching the match, you see that they've scored you two. And you want to also score back. You want to also come back. Now, you are not going to remove a striker when you need a goal. But you rather sacrifice a defender or a midfielder and add another striker. It's what? Substitution. Because you want to correct something. Yeah, so too, why is she? You want to correct those two. I get it. So, so, 
You do a substitution by tactically studying the game. <laughs> so God tactically studied the game of life and said that if I want to, because I want, have punished Adam with death, that he ate it and he's dead. Now I want to change, I want to pick that death and put it on Jesus and set Adam free. So he looked at it and he said, the only way of substitution is to put Jesus on the cross. On the cross, because whenever they put you on the cross, anybody that is passing by will curse you. That was it. When when Because when they put you on the cross, it means that you have done an abominable thing. You deserve a curse. So whenever they put you on the cross, that's what about when Jesus was hanging on the cross, the Pharisees were cursing him, they were spitting, they were mocking him. Because when they put you on the cross, anybody that will pass by that area will curse you. It was a curse. And this was it. As men were cursing Jesus, the curse on man was being, Jesus was exchanging. Because a man is cursing Jesus. That means he's putting his curse on Jesus. And Jesus is putting his blessing on us because Jesus never sent. So uh, it was a tactical thing God was doing. God was doing a tactical thing. So that's why he chose the cross. So that man can curse Jesus. Because Jesus never sinned. He never did anything bad. And he was punished. So he was a blessing hanging on the tree. So as man released curse on the blessing, the blessing comes back to man. It was an exchange. Then when Jesus died on the cross, it was complete. Now the exchange was done. The exchange was done. And the Bible said that Jesus went to the grave. He went to meet the devil there. He said, always you have been coming here. Now I have come here too. Ay, 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 ay. And over there, he dealt with them. The Bible says he made an open spectacle. I'll talk about that one another time. See, that devil that you're afraid of, he has been beaten. That devil, you are so much afraid of, you are shame rough. In fact, Jesus beat the devil in front of all the demons. Now, now, remember I told you that, remember I told you that the cross is the bridge to switch from the earthly life into the heavenly life. Now, look at how the cross is. This is earthly life. First Adam. This is heavenly. Heavenly. Life. Last Adam. If I want to go here, what do I use? I use this bridge. The cross is the bridge from earthly life into the heavenly life. So if I want to change from the sinful nature of Adam into the glorious, righteous nature of God, I will have to come to the cross and lift up my hands so that the sin which is a curse on my life will be exchanged. I can cross. So if you want to be born again, that's why if you want to be born again, you accept Jesus. Because Jesus hangeth on the cross. Anytime you want to exchange sin for blessing, Jesus is on the cross for you. That's why, that's why the Bible says sin shall not have dominion. Because as long as Jesus was put on the cross, no sin can remain on you. Because anytime the sin comes, you look back to Jesus on the cross and the sin will disappear. And the sin will, He went to the cross for you. You cannot remain in that sin. 
you cannot remain in that fornication. You cannot remain in that life, wayward life. Because Jesus went on the cross so that sin would lose its power over your life. You cannot go to hell because of sin. If you go to hell, go to hell for another thing. Because you have chosen. But if you go to hell because of sin, you have made a mistake. Because Jesus came to take away sin from the surface. So you can freely walk into heaven. Sin has no dominion over you. Don't sin to hell. Because sin is not powerful. Sin is not strong. How long can sin stay on you? Acha two months. Acha one month. As you pursue the heavenly life, sin will drop off. You know that sometimes when you begin to struggle with certain things and you are really serious to overcome it. Acha day one year, six months. Then you see that you are, you are gaining strength because sin is weak. The reason why that sin is already there is because you've not seen the cross yet. You've not seen that Jesus has been there. When you behold Jesus on the cross, sin will run away. Sin is not strong. That's why you don't sin every day. You sin on certain occasions. You only sin when you have the opportunity to steal. You only sin when you have the opportunity to fornicate. It's not every day. You don't sin 24 hours a day because sin has been broken. So you can overcome it. You can drop it. Let me see. Let's close with this. And having this, having despoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing. Anytime you see this scripture, as you are reading about it, you see this scripture, pause and shout, Hey! Hey! And shout. Let the devil know that you understand it. That you, you know that this was the place Jesus slapped him. Yeah. He, he said, and have, if you have another version, you can get, get it for me. And having this port, this port, no, I said, younger ones, not the more, do. Uh-huh. Who another version there? Let me close with this. Principalities. The devil, caught, he, Jesus lined all of them up. He slapped all of them. Then he came back again. He, in fact, he disgraced. No, do you know why he did that? At that time, you see, at that time, everybody was watching him. Because at that time, when you die, all those who died before Jesus resurrected, they were in hell. But somewhere in what we call paradise, Abraham's bosom, it was a sector in hell. Of course, at this compound, this auditorium, and the classrooms on the other side. This compound is one place. I guess what I'm talking about. Now, let me say, this is Vice Montessori. But up here is Dwellers Auditorium. Down there is Vice Classroom. So it's one compound. So at that time, Abraham, they were watching. David was watching. So Jesus had to do something for them to know that this guy, he is the result of you being here. And I'm coming to carry you out. So that's why the Bible says he made an open spectacle. If I made, that means that he made a display. He made a show. The question is, which people were watching? Our grandfathers were watching. They were watching. How Jesus was beating them. How Jesus was destroying them. So when you, when you enter the spirit, the testimony is that everybody has the record that the devil has been slapped by Jesus. And he took away from him the power that he took from Adam. He took away from the devil again. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants. The spiritual tyrants are the principalities, powers, all the devil and his people. Which is the traffic lights. All of them in the universe, not just in the world. In the Hindu, that means because there are some who live in Venus. Some of them are in Pluto. He gathered. Is all of you come around? 
or he guarded all of them. It is your time. In the universe of their sum, their sum is their, their boss, you see, that kind of boss nature, their mastery. The thing they used to ruin people, they used to scare people. He, he, he guarded all of them. They can bring everything here. He sum, in the universe of their sum authority at the cross and march them naked through the street. Hey! Imagine the devil walking naked. Hey! How me? Imagine. I like the scripture. I like this one. I like this. Hey, That's the best he can do. Hey! Imagine the devil. See, I need a draw devil near a man of the When some of you are fine, rough. Yeah. That's what Mombe Swahili and I are fine ladies, you know, and are fine guys. Yeah. It's true. The devil is very pretty, very, I mean, handsome. Very nice. Mine's a fresh boy, pa. He's trying to naked. Then we line them. Abraham is watching. David is watching. No, I'm like, yeah. That's what happened. That's what happened. All of them. The demons, the devils, witches, everything. So they have no power over you. When you have a dream and a witch appear, tell him you have been disgraced. You have no power over me. When anybody appears in your family and says he is the witch, he is the reason, tell him, tell her that this happened. Call this case. This scripture should be one of your best scriptures. Colossians chapter 2 verse 15. You were naked one day. Every demon shall be naked before you. Every witch that is resisting your promotion shall be naked before you. May the cross of Jesus be a reality in your life. Be on your feet. Let's pray. May the cross of Jesus lift up your voice and pray. Declare the victory with this scripture. Declare the victory of God over your finances. Declare the victory. Declare the victory of God in the name of Jesus. We believe you have been blessed by the word this day. If you wish to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, kindly say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again for my justification. I receive you this day into my heart and I declare that from today you are the Lord of my life. I surrender all to you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'm yours forever. Beloved, if you pray this prayer, then congratulations. You are now born again. To receive more of God's word from this ministry, like and follow Pastor Benjamin Asian on Facebook and YouTube. You can also download and log on to the Audio Rhema app. Search for Pastor Benjamin Asian and enjoy a barrage of spirit-filled messages tailored just for you. God richly bless you.